Today, we are covering the cases of... Uh, Cozy Decora and Lenise Blackbird. Alright. How about you start us out, Anna? Alright. So, um, both of these cases are... We're doing them together because they are within a few weeks of each other. Mm-hmm. And they are both indigenous women. And it's something that is near and dear to my heart of using my voice to speak for indigenous women who are no longer able to use theirs. To put it in context, Anna is indigenous herself. So she's very passionate about um, passionate about being the voice of indigenous women, right? Yes. Okay. So our first um, person that we were going to talk about is Cozy Decora. She was a Ho-Chunk indigenous woman um, who had been through three months of sobriety. Okay. She had planned initially um, by June. This is taking place in um, May, like the beginning of May, um, to get custody of her children and also leave her fiance, whose name is Jonathan Rooney. Does it say what kind of sobriety, like what addiction that she was struggling with? It doesn't say what kind. Um, okay. It just said that she was going through sobriety. Okay. So her fiance, Jonathan Rooney, and she wanted to leave him and then go back to Wittenberg, Wisconsin, which is where she's from. She was only 22 years old. Jonathan, the fiance, had called the police at 7.50 p.m. on May 16th. He stated that Decora, him, and their infant son, who was three months old at the time, were stuck in a vehicle on the side of a muddy road in a remote area of the Winnebago Reservation. So does he say it on the phone that me, my fiance, and my yes. kid is struck? Okay. The officers were able to locate their GMC Yukon, but nobody was there. So the two Winnebago conservation officers, um, which is essentially the Winnebago's branch of law enforcement. So, so, they, so on the tribal land police department, right? Yes. Okay. Um, they noticed that a fire was nearby a cabin. Um, they were able to find Jonathan... Um, sleeping naked under a blanket on a mattress that was sitting on the floor with their son. How long did it take for them to respond? Um, I didn't get that exact time frame, but I do want to keep in mind that it was very, very rainy in May in Nebraska. Okay, yeah. That might be around the time. So we are from Nebraska, and last year we had some floods. It might not have affected that part of Nebraska, but, like, I know that Nebraska was affected by great floods. That was in 2019. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to edit this out. I'm embarrassing myself. Anyways, the officers noticed that there was a smear or a bruise they weren't able to determine at that time on Jonathan's arm. Um, He had scratches on his shoulders as well as an injury to his cheek. Uh, When the officers went to look at the fire, they noticed that they believed there were bones. They didn't specify what kind of bones, but they said that there were bones within the fire. So, bones. Bones. Like, here's where the timeline would come in really, really handy, right? 
if they had to spend the night, they might have gone hunting and got some animals to burn or something. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going off. So continue. <laughs> Anyways, um, Jonathan had stated that he didn't know where Cozy was. Um, during an interview with Jonathan, he claimed that the couple had found the cabin and started the fire in the grill to dry their clothes. Okay. Um, Jonathan claims that the couple got into a fight and Decora asked if he had been drinking or doing drugs. This is going back to that whole sobriety thing. In case people who haven't struggled with addiction, if somebody's trying to be sober, it's at least the courteous thing to do is not to drink around them or not bring any substance that they have been struggling with. Especially when you're at the beginning because you're going through the withdrawals and you're also, you know, still going through that strong urge to consume these substances. Mm -hmm. So three months in, having that around when... Can jeopardize her sobriety. And her goals that she was trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, He stated that Cozy hit him with something and he pushed her out of the cabin and shut the door. He then laid down on the mattress with their son and said the next thing he knew, the officers were shining a light on him. He, um, Jonathan had also stated that Cozy cut her wrist and blamed him for um, it in an attempt to get their three children taken away from him. Okay. Um, he had also stated that he thinks that he was drugged and that Decora set him up to go to prison. Mm, it's kind of escalating, don't you think? Like, he kicks her out, but he's also saying that she's planning to set him up. Yeah. When they did the, you know, whole drug test and breathalyzer, there was no alcohol or drugs found in this test. Jonathan, the fiancé, had stated that he was backed into a corner during their fight and asked for a lawyer. That's where their interview stopped. Okay, so he's not worried, like, where she is. He's not worried, um, you know, if she might be in trouble. She, he's just asking for Laura just right out of blue? Yes. Um, they did find out the bones in the grill were cozies. Yo, hold up. Like, so the bones in that the fireplace found, yeah. was off his girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they, when they did an autopsy on her remains, they could not determine if there was trauma to her body before she was burned, and they were able to ID her through dental records. I can only imagine the trauma. Like, I know the kid kid was young, but like, imagine, you know, burn. Like, that's some savage stuff burning a mom in front of his kid, you know? Well, keep in mind, the grill was outside, not, like, in front of the kid, but, you know, still, I okay. get what you're saying. What other wild stuff? Do you think cannibalism might be involved? I mean, if there was cannibalism involved, they would have seen some type of trauma to the body of, like, teeth marks or something like that. But, like, if, if you're putting it on the grill... You would still see damage to the body. Okay. So, Jonathan, the fiancé, is only facing a charge of manslaughter 
which is a 15-year sentence. Part of it could be they don't have a good enough case against him. It could be. So, you know, um, like a lot of DAs, what they do, not DAs, the uh, district attorneys, what they do is... There's more. Okay. <laughs> when you I stopped, know. I thought you, you know, that was it. I know. You're getting ahead of yourself. There's a little bit more. I think you're gonna you're going to enjoy this next part. Um, so days later, the um, assistant U.S. attorney Michael Norris made a statement: "We file charges consistent with the evidence developed at the time of the crime, and a charge needs to be filed. Those decisions are frequently reviewed as as evidence develops. A grand jury returned a second superseding indictment, charging Jonathan." The fiancé was second-degree murder and a maximum sentence of life in prison. Uh, do you know any update on the case? Um, that was the last that I was able to get on the case. Um, he was still waiting to go to trial, and that was um, this was written in June of okay. this year. Like, his story would totally make sense, like, if it was drugs involved and why he took a lawyer. But, like, at the same time, it doesn't paint him in a good light that his fiance's body or whatever is left of her body is just being found outside. Right. That leads us into another Nebraska woman. Um, her name is Lenise Blackbird. Mm-hmm. She um, was found June 27th, 2020. Uh, so I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory that leads up to this because it's actually, I think between the two of them, this is a very peculiar case, and there's a lot of missing pieces to it. So, By the way, we are picking cases from Nebraska because we live in Nebraska. I think I mentioned that earlier, didn't I? Maybe. I might have a memory of a bird, so... <laughs> I thought Just... it was goldfish. <laughs> All right, anyway. let, let's get back. Um, so... She had been diagnosed with COVID-19 in late June, so a little bit before her body was found. And so um, she is in located in um, the Omaha Tribe Reservation. Okay. And so the Omaha Tribe has a um, property that they own kind of a little ways away, their cabins. And okay. so they were offering for people who to, you know, isolate to go to this cabin for the COVID-19 symptoms so then it wouldn't spread to the rest of the reservation. Okay. So this was out in Macy, Nebraska. So she How had... How far is that actually from Omaha, Nebraska? That's a good question. I'll Google it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, so she was quarantining away from her home in Macy, Nebraska. Okay. Um, she had diabetes and cirrhosis as so underlying was, health conditions. So she was at high risk. She was. Um, Lenise's two nephews um, ended uh well, she tested positive on the 19th of June. Mm-hmm. And they didn't hear till the 22nd of June. Um, so Macy, Nebraska is an hour and 17 minutes away from Omaha, the city which is named for the Omaha tribe. Omaha tribe, yeah. Um, but she had tested positive on June 19th. They didn't hear until June 22nd, the same day that she left to be quarantined with a friend. So they didn't hear about, you know, 
that it was a positive test till the June 22nd. So from the 19th to the 22nd, they had no idea if it was positive, but she was still going to go quarantine um, up in the cabin. Remember, like, it's not like nowadays it might be at the beginning of the pandemic. Test results were taking a while, too. Correct. So that gives you kind of like a time frame of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to point out that June's in Nebraska can get warm they can get warm they're not super bad but they can get warm um and you know fever and everything so lenise had called her mom donna blackbird on tuesday morning mom it's kind of scary down here is what she told her oh like in the cabin yeah was she by herself at the no, cabin? No, there were other people there um, at the cabin, but she had stated that it was kind of scary. Like, this is, you know, a cabin out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. Nebraska. Yeah. It was still owned by the Omaha tribe, but it's still a distance away from the, reser- you know, main Reser- reservation area. Um, She told her mother that she thought someone was crawling on the roof the other night. This was the last time that... um. Donna had heard from her daughter. That's really eerie, though. Yeah. Um, she didn't call her family or answer their calls. When they did reach out to her, her family had reached out to the health care workers um, that were overseeing those quarantining in the cabins. So they did have health care people around and everything, but, you know, always there. Okay. They asked the worker to check on Lenise, and the worker told the family that Lenise wasn't at the cabin. What do you mean she wasn't at the cabin? They just said that she wasn't at the cabin. Where was she? Nobody knew. Oh. So the family began to search for her. They asked Lenise's friend to inform them if they knew where she was. So the family traveled from Sioux City all the way down to Macy, and nobody had seen her. They feared that... I'm sorry, they also traveled to Sioux City, not from Sioux City. They feared that she went drinking um, due to her suffering from alcoholism. It's a half an hour drive. Yeah. So, to put it in perspective, it's kind of happening on Nebraska and the Iowa border. Well, yeah, Sioux City is spread between Iowa and Nebraska, much like Omaha and Council Bluffs are. Yeah, so like, you know, like it's one of those towns like... Kansas City, which is part in Kansas and part in Mississippi, right? Missouri. Missouri. I'm going to get so much hate for this, but it's all right. We learn. (laughs) And so they were fearful that while she was going through all this, she decided to go drinking. There's no place to go drinking, except apparently they thought Sioux City, just because that had been familiar stomping grounds for her. So, while she was missing, they thought that she up and left during COVID quarantine to just go out drinking? Yeah. Okay. Uh. So, her family reached out to Omaha Tribal Police to check on Lenise, but they refused, stating that they didn't want to contract COVID. Yeah, but, like, isn't that part of, like, cops' job to do that? Like, I don't, I know tribal police have different standards, but, like, at the same point, you took you took a oath to serve, you know. You can put the mask on and go for people. Yeah. On June 26th, that's a Friday, uh, Donna Blackbird, Lenise's mother, said that she had begged the tribal health care worker 
um, who was in charge of overseeing the cabins, to check the cabin. The worker told the family that she had walked away. Like, that the victim has walked away? Yes. Okay, so did she actually, like the healthcare worker, did she actually check the cabins? She stated that um, she had just walked away, didn't give anything. Okay, so healthcare worker thinks that she didn't tell anybody and just up and left. That's what the healthcare worker was stating. Okay. The family decided the next evening that they would go to the cabin and that they would search. Lenise's aunt, Irma Grant, stated that they took them 20 minutes to find her. She was found by two of her nephews. Dead or alive? Dead. Where was she? She wasn't that far from the cabin. Took her. The, she was found a hundred yards from the cabin. Okay, so... Hold up. We need to look at these cabins through Google. So, let me pause real quick. So, we did try to look it up, but we cannot find the exact location. Maybe next time we'll do a better job um, to do more research. But, let's continue on. So, they had performed an autopsy on Lenise and found that she had died of a heat stroke due to her underlining conditions. I was able to find out the temperature from June 22nd to 27th. The highest it was was 92 degrees on the 22nd when she had got there. Okay. And then it was 91 and 90 for like two days for the 23rd and 24th. Then the 25th and the 22nd, it was 82 degrees. And then on the 27th, when she was found, it was 80. Okay. My question is like, that's not that bad of a temperature to give people heat strokes unless she was outside and doing something. Well, keep like also she tested positive for COVID and she has the underlying conditions. So do we know like if these cabins are air conditioned or what now? There's not a whole lot that I know about the Omaha tribe and their properties, but she was found outside. So you were raised in the United States. Have you ever been to cabins? I've been to some cabins. Some have heating with and cooling with them, but they're like window AC units, some mm-hmm. of them. I don't want to go into too much details about cabins, especially in Nebraska, but a lot of them are built the same way that sod houses were built, like the older cabins okay. where they have the way of cooling on the inside. Okay. My, um, my point is, like, why would she be just 100 yards away having a heat stroke when she was close to the house? I also want to explain to those that don't understand how a heat stroke happens. Okay. Um, so this is according to the Mayo Clinic. Um, heat, strokes, heat, strokes. heat strokes. Heat strokes happen due to prolonged exposure or physical exertion in high temperatures. So if you're sick and you're exerting yourself trying to run from something or do something, like get away. That can cause heat strokes? Yeah. Okay. So um, your core temperature would have to be 104 degrees or higher. So if you've got a fever... Yeah. You know, your your core temp is already high. Yeah. Like being in sports myself, I always thought heat strokes normally happen just because you were in warm for too long. But it does make sense. Like if your body's already warm and you're pr- pressing yourself a little bit, how it can cause that? I mean, you know how whenever you get sick and your heart rate is always higher. Yeah. Same thing. Um, it can untreated heat stroke can cause brain damage, heart damage, kidneys, and cause damage to the muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
conditions that can put you at risk, chronic illnesses such as heart and lung disease, obesity, being sedentary, or having previous history of heat stroke. According to an Army military um, article, COVID-19 can, like many other viruses, make you more prone to heat-related illnesses. Okay, so is, was her death, like, due to natural causes then? We don't know what exactly happened. Okay. Um, the family blames the tribe's health and law enforcement team for not looking for Nalanese when they had asked them to. Mm-hmm. Um, heat stroke, if treated in a timely manner, manner, is manageable and curable. Grant, the um, aunt stated that did they really yes the victim's aunt did they really monitor her did they really care for her i don't think so because of the way we found her that's that's her statement yes official acknowledgement from the tribe came on june 30th 2020 when they issued a statement saying the tribal police and fbi were investigating lenise's death i want you all to know that when it comes to on sovereign land um the fbi can investigate without having a whole lot of information to mm-hmm. it um, because it is considered sovereign land. Um, Re- Renee Sands Saushi, I'm sorry if I said that name wrong, an Omaha poet and activist said she encouraged Lenise's family to take legal action against the Omaha tribe. She stated, we need to show compassion and concern, Renee um also stated, stop making excuses, our women are dying, and that's unacceptable. Um, another person, Michael Patrick O'Connor, a Yankton Lakota activist living in Sioux City, had helped organize vigils, stating that he was disappointed in the failure of the Native police and healthcare workers to show compassion for a young relative whose life mattered. He also stated that he is frustrated with no tribal representation having attended or spoke at any of the vigils for Lenise's memory. Lenise walked away. That's what they said. To me, they walked away from their responsibility, is what Michael had also stated. And the fact that they are not even here to show enough respect and enough courage just makes it even worse for me. Obviously, somebody needs to take accountability, but who's brave enough to do that? We're going to find out. Who, whose statement is that? That is Michael Patrick O'Connor. He's a Yankton Lakota activist. Okay. So he's not from Nebraska, but Yankton... He's an activist. Yankton man. is up uh, north. Yeah. I have a few questions about this, uh, whenever you're ready to take him. My question is, like, were there other people around? Did there were other people. Did, did they see any kind of behavior... That was out of norm for, you know, There was nothing the else that I was able to find that states that her behavior was out of the ordinary, except for her saying that she thought somebody was Water, walking, walking on, on the, the roof. roof. You know, like, if you are a healthcare worker, like, at least what you can do is just look around. Look around, but at the same time, you know, like when you're came for multiple people, it's really hard to. I mean, they're not even really caring. They're just making sure that they don't get worse. But still, you know, like when you have multiple people on your docket, like it's really hard to just be like, hey, you know, they didn't go off somewhere when you know they're adult and and they can leave at any point. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but like, yeah. uh, on the other hand. Tribal police should have acted. I'm a firm believer in that. You know, like 
they should not have such a delayed response. Um, I myself am indigenous. I wasn't raised on a reservation. Um, I was raised in Omaha, Nebraska. And Lincoln. And well, growing up, I was in Omaha most of the time, but I was also in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about how truly reservations work, but one of the things that I hear from other indigenous, uh, people is that they don't have a whole lot of representation when it comes to the tribe. They don't have the same resources that you and I have. There are some so, reservations still in the United States that do not have running water. So are they undermanned? Is that what you're trying to it's say? It's not so much that they're undermanned. Like, or underfunded? It isn't even that. I mean, keep in mind that a lot of these reservations to fund have casinos. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's just, it's a lack of representation and it's a lot of people feeling that there are a lack of caring for our brothers and sisters who have lost their life. I want to mention something. Go ahead. Um, else that a lot of this is the missing, murdered Indigenous women, girls, and um, two-spirited. Um, I'm not going to go into what two-spirited is. If you have any questions about it, reach out. Um, but let's talk about why this is so important for you. So, four out of five Native women are affected by violence today. Murder rates of Native women are ten times higher than the national average, as well as when you have generational trauma, a lot of people spill into addictions, such as Lenise, who was battling mm-hmm. alcoholism, or however long Lenise had been sober. The same thing with Cozy Decora. For me, growing up, I, I felt that because I didn't grow up on a reservation, that I couldn't speak and then I could use my voice to say this is wrong but I also want to bring attention to the fact that they have different laws on reservations than what we have if somebody is murdered on the reservation it can be um investigated by FBI not necessarily tribal police but by the FBI can come in or even the Marshals. um, marshals can come in But Native American nations need to advocate for the reauthorization of Violence Against Women Act. In 2018, it passed the Democratic House, but stalled at the Republican-controlled Senate. That's in 2018. Can you explain what the law is, actually? The law protects women who, on reservation land, have been assaulted or have been murdered. It allows more resources to be able to get their cases solved. So it's meant to protect indigenous women and prosecute non-native perpetrators who are the biggest ones. And this is not just a Nebraska problem. This has been happening all over the country. I mean, when I said native nations, I meant all of them. This protects all indigenous women across the United States. I understand your point. My point is Native women have been going missing in different parts of the United States. I also want to say that this is not just a United States thing. This is a Canada. This is across the Americas. 
a lot of the times there there's no communication between the police departments and the justice that these women deserve they do not get so you know i can see why this is such an important case to you it extends the tribe's jurisdiction as well as it allows the tribe to hold non-native perpetrators to the fullest extent of the law which they do not get to do at this time because it lapsed so let's say like if i go to a native land and commit a crime does can native police arrest me they can arrest you um and they can prosecute you but this is mainly talking about non-native perpetrators going after indigenous women Okay. It's not talking about, like, if you go and you decide to rob the casino. Good luck to you. Federal prosecutors are going to get you real good. Hey, <laughs> no, you know, like, if they, you go after money, they will come after you. But I am going to put a link to not only the main website for murdered missing indigenous women, but also um, information for those of you who live in Nebraska to an organization that puts out the information of indigenous women um, who have gone murdered or who have been missing. And that's where I was able to find um, Cozy Decora and Lenise Blackbird's information because they are on a long list of people. It's not just, it's, there are so many in Nebraska, but they were the most recent ones that I felt there wasn't a whole lot of information on them. We wanted to do justice to their memories, you know. And at the same point, these are just two women in terms of thousands of Native women that go missing every year. And, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to do justice to their memory and hopefully help families find answers. But also, if you're in an abusive relationship, we will put a link to different services that you can reach out and contact and get get help to get out of, out of that abusive cycle. Uh, most of them will probably be Nebraska-geared because... We're in Nebraska, <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, our approach is going to be very Nebraska-based, but if you reach out to us, we'll definitely try to steer you in the right direction. So, thank you for listening. We're planning to donate 20% of our proceeds to charity that either works with Special Olympics or within our communities. Anna and I started this podcast in hopes to shift the paradigm and bring attention to the voices that often go unheard by society, especially the voices of victims that are of color. We are hoping to play our part so minorities would get a fair representation by media and they get fair share of justice in justice department we would love to hear from you guys about how we're doing and what we can improve on we would also definitely love to hear from you about what cases we should work on next thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe and we should have a podcast out next thursday and this message is for our sponsors in case we're gonna be uploading an email if you hope to reach us for future sponsorships we appreciate all you guys all you listeners and sponsors to let us do what we are about to do thank you have a good night